0: All right, I am Pastor Philip Batiste and uh, uh, from the North American Division, I serve as the Departmental Director and Secretary Treasurer for ASI, and it is my pleasure to be our host today for our Sabbath School panel. So I'm excited to have this panel discussion. Today we're going to be talking about really um, the call of God and following God's call. Would you do me a favor? Would you look at the person beside you and say, neighbor, oh neighbor, it's time to follow God's call. Amen. Amen. We want to be following God's call. As we begin um, today, we want to pray and just bow your heads with me as we ask God's presence to lead us. Father, we're so grateful for your love and your blessings. We pray your blessing now as we enter into this Sabbath school panel discussion. We pray that you will do for us what you promised to do in Psalms 32. Instruct us and teach us and guide us in the way that we should go. Bless our panelists and bless our discussion. And may what we share today be relevant, helpful, and practical to the lives of everyone here so that they can be galvanized and energized to follow the calling you have on their life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, I'm excited about our distinguished panelists today. And so what I'd like us to do is if each person could just go down the line and just share your name and where you're from. Uh, So let's start over here with Pastor Adam. My name is Adam Keating.
1: I get the privilege of serving right here in the Crowley Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, I've been here almost five
2: years now. Amen. And my name is Oling Lotka. Originally from Moldova, now we leave with my family in Clovis, California. And what do you do? Well, I work for the conference Literature Evangelism Department, also for Streams of Light International. Amen.
3: I'm Marianne Hadley. I've lived in Texas for many years, but now I live in Moberly, Missouri.
0: Awesome. And what do you
3: do? I don't do anything. I'm retired. I mean, what did you retire from, though? Uh, I, was, I retired as a director of the Ellen White Research Center at Southwestern. Amen. Can we say amen to that? Amen. A- and I mean, you're here and you're in ministry,
0: so you're doing something for the master. Can we say amen? Amen. amen. Go ahead.
4: And so I am, my name is Andy Hunsaker, and I'm from uh, Boston. I actually don't live in Boston. I work in Boston. I live in a suburb. And what a privilege it is to be here in, in a warm climate. Uh, Coming from from Boston, so happy to be here this morning.
0: And what do you do, Madam President?
4: (laughs) I'm a physician um, practicing in in Boston.
0: And she's the president of ASI National. Can we say amen? Amen. Amen. And um, awesome. We're going to go to our first question, which is, how does this statement, here I am, send me, how does that apply to you personally? Here I am, send me. How does that statement apply to you personally? Go ahead, Pastor Adam. I think the
1: invitation for uh, myself to be involved in ministry. um, It's easy as a pastor to think of Ephesians chapter 4 to equip the saints for the work of ministry. But there's a calling even on pastors to daily engage in the ministry as well. One of the things that my church knows I say often is we have to be intentional In sharing Jesus, and that's not just for everyone else as lay folk, that's for us as pastors as well. If I'm going to teach how to give a Bible study, I better well be giving Bible studies myself. So for me, it's putting myself
0: daily in that position to say, God, use me, whatever that looks like today. Love it, love it. How does that question apply to you, Oleg? Here I am, send me.
2: You know, uh, after reading the book, Steps to Christ, I came to an understanding of Jesus, in the way that I have not seen Jesus before. After reading that, I said, "Lord, here I am. send me."
3: Amen. Mary. Um, as I read uh, Isaiah 6 and this particular text, I noticed there's a condition to the text. Isaiah uh, saw his undone condition. He was a man of unclean lips. And because of that uh, humility, then the, the Lord was able to have his lips touched with the live coal from the altar, and his iniquity was taken away, and his sin was purged. And so uh, there's an experience that we must have before we are ready to go out and say, here am I, send me.
0: Wow, I love that. We have to be touched. We have to, he let his fingers touch his lips, and he said, uh, I'll let my words be your words. Uh, we have to have that experience, touched yes. and purged before we're said. Thank you for that. Andy?
4: Yeah, so, um, Philip, I, I, I want to make sure that we've not finished that, that, that question yet, because the right. way it was written, the question was written, how does this statement, here I am, send me a today? And was your name Marianne, did you say? Yeah, she alluded to something that, that, that really affected me, and that was recognizing that um, before the Lord sends people, there is something that does happen. So thank you for pointing that out. Um, the, the call of, of Isaiah was in the midst, well, at the, at the end of Isaiah's reign, And when when the Bible puts things in, it doesn't put them in by accident. And something happened. Isaiah was the one that was able to stave off the Assyrians as they surrounded Jerusalem. And so we can just look at the story as Isaiah was was thinking that, you know, who was going to to protect us, but Isaiah was concerned with something more. And Mm -hmm. Ellen White says, you know, that the problems without were less than the problems within. So that's kind of how I come at this particular passage.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Um, what do you think about being sent by God? There's so many different Bible characters, Bible passages that we can think of. We can think of Moses, you know, and the call of God on Moses' life. We can think of Jeremiah. We can think of Jonah. We can think of so many people. But one of my favorite people is Jeremiah, And there's a reason for this, Andy. Uh, You know, when I was growing up as as a kid, as a young boy, my dad was a pastor, my mom was a teacher, and I have two older brothers, Peter and David. They're 11 and 12 years older than me, and they used to tease me and say, you know, first came David, then came Peter, and then 11 and a half years later, you just happened to come around. You know, uh, Philip, you are an accident. You are an accident. And uh, I said, you know, I went to my mom. I said, Mommy, am I an accident? And she says, no, you no, you're God's special gift. You're God's special boy. You know, you're a prayed for baby. And I went to, you know, my brothers, and I said, Mommy says I'm her special gift. So there, and they said, oh, yeah, ask Dad. You know, and I went to my dad and I said, Daddy, am I an accident? He looked around, put the newspaper down, and made sure my mom wasn't within earshot. And he said, Yep. You know, we had no idea you were coming. Uh, you know, in fact, when we found out we, you were coming, we were, you know, uh, uh, we were hoping for a girl. We had two boys already. We're going to call you Esther the Queen, you know. And so I was just depressed, you know, like my little five and six year old self. I was like, Oh, an accident. Oh, no. But at the age of seven, I read the whole Bible from cover to cover, and uh, at the age of 10, I won my first person to Christ doing community religious surveys, knocking on doors, Amen. and uh, so when I got to 10, I told my brothers, I've been reading through the Bible, and I read in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 Amen. through 8, where God says, before you were born, I knew you, and before I formed you in the womb, I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations, and I said, so I'm not an accident, I'm a divine design, Amen. you know, I, I, I was not just here because of some, you know, coincidence with my mom and dad, but God had me on his mind. Amen. And this, this is powerful because God says to Jeremiah, before you were born, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. And this reminds us that you're not an accident. Would you touch the person beside you and say, you're not an accident? Yeah, Would you touch the other person beside you and say, don't mess with me, I'm a divine design. Wow. Yeah, yeah, you're a divine design, and, and, and you know, God created us for a special calling and purpose. We're not an accident, we're a divine design, but we're not just here to sit there and look pretty, right? We're here for a purpose, and God has a special calling and purpose on our life. So here's my question to our panel after that little preamble. Um, how, how have you answered God's special calling and purpose on your life? Recognizing that you're not an accident, that you're a divine design, how have you answered God's special calling and purpose on your life? Let's start with you, Pastor.
1: Uh, There's a lot of things that come to my mind at the moment, but uh, maybe two quick things. Uh, The first is that before people respond to that call, there's always an encounter and experience with God. We've talked about the call for Isaiah, uh, the wilderness for Moses, uh, the pit and Potiphar's house, and prison for Joseph. And so there's always this experience with God where we realize that He is the one in charge, He is the one divine, and we realize how small we are. Uh, for me, I went on a mission trip. Um, I was doing a share hymn trip where you're preaching an evangelistic series every day. I was not wanting to be a pastor. I had actually was biology pre-med, dreams of going to Loma Linda, a different life path completely. And I had no idea. I'd never preached Every day I'm spending five, six, seven hours studying these texts. Again, I grew up as an Adventist, but I didn't know these texts for myself, certainly not well enough to preach them. Well, share him trips, they give you a scripted sermon, so I'm studying, I'm studying, I'm studying. Well, about a week and a half into this uh, share him trip, uh, it got a little bit easier, and I started to say, well, I don't need to spend six hours prepping, I can spend... Three hours prepping. And then one day they said, Hey, Adam, let's go hang out on the beach. And I'm like, Oh, well, certainly one hour is enough to prepare for this sermon. I mean, the script is there, there's a translator, I can think through it. And so the worst sermon that's ever been preached, I'm sure, in the history of Avenue preaching was preached there in El Salvador. I had given a child my camera beforehand. And I looked at the pastor and I said, and the pastor's going to make the appeal tonight. And I went in the back room and hid my face in my hands and said, Lord, I'm so sorry for what I've done, for for squandering this opportunity, for wasting uh, Holy Spirit impact and influence. Um, I waited in that room until everyone was gone. Normally, I shook hands and talked with folks. I was the last one there. I finally come out of the room and that young kid was there and said, hey, I waited for you. I felt terrible. He gave me my camera back. In the car on the way home, I'm flipping through pictures More people came forward that night for the appeal than any of the other nights. And I learned an important lesson in that moment. It's not about us. It's about the Holy Spirit. But when we surrender and we're able to be used, God can use us in an amazing way. And so I came back and I said, you know what? If I surrender my life, what could God do? And so that began the the beginning of this process of surrender to God. And it's an ongoing journey. It's an ongoing struggle. Uh, But I will tell you, I have never since preached the sermon without saying, Holy Spirit,
0: use me first. Love it. Thank you, Pastor. Oleg.
2: Well, in my case, I have unfortunately wandered away from the Lord for 11 years, and I was cutting trees there in Canada, in Quebec, when I have asked, I think, the combination of fresh air, exercise, drinking a lot of water while cutting trees, my brain started working again. thought came that it's too late. And another thought from what my parents taught me from when I was little, that God can forgive anything. There is no sin that He cannot forgive. So that thought won. And when when I said, Lord, is there really forgiveness for me? And then sins from the past started passing before me. And for each one, I was hearing in my mind saying, forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. So I cried and cried. And when I came together again and I said... Lord, I got the message. Now, the rest of my life is yours. And I went right away. That very night, I packed my bags, left, and I started searching for a school to study theology. I said, now I want full in to be in your service. And then when I was in Argentina starting, uh, studying theology, I went out and canvassed. Uh, for those who don't know what canvassing is, is selling books door to door. And the Lord had a special call there for me. And I said, Lord, this is so amazing. Seeing people that I didn't know that they're coming to church and then getting baptized. I said, I want to be in this ministry for the rest of my life. So that was my call. And then there, there are calls every day that God keeps giving. And, uh, but it's so interesting. Once you, you answer to the Lord, the next call, it's easier because you get to know God better and better. And know that He'll never leave you. He'll give you the provision with that call as well.
0: Amen, amen. I like to say, where there is vision, God sends provision. Amen? Amen. Yes, powerful. Um, Marianne.
3: Yes, I knew from age four that I was called, uh, but I was uh, born into an unchurched family, um, and I really didn't know what that meant. And so uh, I went through life step-by-step doing um, what I thought might be God's will and learning along the way, but never knowing what I was supposed to do in life until I was uh, in my 50s, and then all of a sudden I knew uh, when I uh, was preparing to become director of the Ellen White Research Center at Southwestern, and then looking back on my life, the Lord had prepared me step by step for uh, that position.
0: Amen. Powerful. Andy? Andy?
3: I hate to be unpractical, but
4: I just want to just couch what I'm going to say in um, part of Isaiah's experience and part of other experiences that we have in the Bible. And in 1989, I was exposed to a message of Christ and his righteousness which changed my life. And I want to just point out that when Isaiah was called, the same thing happened to him. There are steps that we go. You know, we think, we can take a text out of isolation, but I was, as I was taught by a pastor one time, a text without a context is a pretext. And the context of Isaiah being called and knowing he was called was in Isaiah 6 verse 1. He said, in the year King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. What he saw, and sometimes we picture this big, long train. Well, for what purpose would that be? It was his righteousness that filled the temple. His goodness came up before Isaiah in a way he had never seen. And that's why Isaiah then, when he saw his own self juxtaposed against the righteousness of Christ, he was able to say, woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. So for me, when I began to study in 1989, Christ and his righteousness, that set me in a different path. And it set my interpretation of the Bible a different path. Gave me a, a um, different way of the way that I practice medicine. A different way that I minister to people. Everything has to be couched in the goodness of God. Because that's what Le- Romans 2, 4 says, the goodness of God leads to repentance. And so the first thing I think is understanding our own inadequacies. And, and Ellen White talks about Isaiah understanding his imperfections and his inefficiencies, those are her exact words. And so once you recognize that, God can then call you until repentance. We like to talk about revival and reformation, but there are three R's, repentance, revival, reformation. And so for me then, I think the reason I've gone on the journey I've gone with, on, with ASI is just understanding the goodness of God, the trade of His robe filled the temple in my mind and led me on a path that, that has not made me turn back. And so for me, I, I always go to God first. If I'm called, it's because I saw something about the goodness of God, and there's a song I love, The Goodness of God. I don't know if you've heard that song. I listened to that this morning coming here, so I didn't get lost. But anyway, that's how I
0: feel. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. Um, Can we say amen? Amen. You know, this is powerful to think of a fact that before we were born, God knew us, and God called us, right? Uh, You were anointed before you arrived. You were blessed before you began. You were consecrated before you were conceived you were dreamt of before you were delivered you were envisioned before you were embryo and you were formed by the fingers of god long before you were ever a fetus so don't you ever give me any wishy-washy namby-pamby lily-livered cream puff baby business bout i'm an accident because you are a divine design but god did not just call us or create us to sit there and look pretty he called us for a purpose And being able to know and understand God's purpose and God's calling for our lives is something that the Holy Spirit can help us with and something that can happen through repentance, as you said, Andy, and through revival and through reformation and through seeking God's will. But the question I have, our next question is, you know, um, how do we deal with um, times when we feel maybe a little reluctant? to say yes to God's call, right? Both Moses and Jonah are examples of people that were either reluctant to follow God's call, as in Moses' case, or resistant and running away from God's call, in Jonah's case. So what would you say to someone, panelists, that is either reluctant or resistant or running away from God's calling on their life right now? Let's start with you, Pastor Adam.
1: Is that anyone's reality here this morning, reluctant or resistant? You can. You can. You're in good company this morning. Well, I, I think all of us have been uh, in that place at some time. Um, just do it. I think honestly, uh, allow uh, that time with the Lord to energize you, to motivate you, and then just get out there and see what happens. Uh, I think so many folk wait until once I have the answers, then I can give the answers. Once. Uh, God has done this in my life, then I can share it with somebody else. But the fact is you have amazing testimonies of what God is doing all the time. Sometimes we just have to reframe or reshift our our focus and look at what God is doing and say, can I share that with somebody else? How many of you woke up this morning? (laughs) Everyone's hand is up. You're here this morning. Mm. You can share the fact that you have breath and life and vitality, with others, and you can help them to see that as well. So, again, it's not profound, it's not super deep, but I think just do it. Just get out there and share your faith with somebody else. Share what God has done for you, share how you see God at work, and allow Him to do the rest. That's probably the encouragement that I would give.
0: I love that because the one thing people can't argue with is your testimony your personal experience. So if someone's reluctant or resistant or running away from God's call, and you say, listen, I too went through that experience, but here's what God did for me, that can be transformative in their life as well.
1: There's yeah. a, one more thing I'll add. I met an elder in the Waco church, and one of the things that was shared about this gentleman uh, from other people talking about him was that it doesn't matter what conversation he's having, he can always lead it back to Jesus. And I wow. said, I got to test this as a pastor. So I, I went over to him and I said, hey, let's uh, let's play together. And so I'd start a conversation about something. How would you lead this conversation to Jesus? And he would naturally just drift the conversation. And I said, man, that's an amazing superpower you have. But then the more I realized, the more I, I saw that he was just looking for Jesus in his own life. And it came out then in natural conversation. I said, man, all of us can steer conversations towards Towards Jesus.
0: I love that because if, if we do, you know, he says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Yes. Oleg, go ahead.
2: Yes, I think uh, when we are naturally, we have fear to the new things. Naturally, we, we like our comfort zone. And we know from studies and just from common sense that there is no growth in the comfort zone. The growth is only produced out of your comfort zone, and there is no comfort in the growth zone. So God is in the business of taking us out of our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. But when you don't know God enough, you doubt and you say, either you didn't know me enough to call me, like in the case of Moses, or you don't love me enough to send me to Nineveh. I mean, why would you send me there knowing what consequences I might have if you would love me? So, if you find yourself that you're running away from God's call, first, we need to know God. Because you need to know that that thought that's in your mind, that that is God and that's not your idea. And when you spend time with God, as we heard in uh, last night's message, you will know that that is God. And then when you know God, if He calls you anywhere or to a crazy goal, crazy place, or just uh, out of your comfort zone, you'll know that if you call me, you know my weaknesses, and you have a provision for that. If you know me, if you know Him, you'll know that he'll love, <clears throat> He loves you so much that He'll never take you to places to harm you. He'll take you only to grow you up, to show you His glory, and to reflect His glory through you. Amen. Love it, love it. Marianne?
3: Uh, yes, uh, a couple of uh, uh, concepts from the Spirit of Prophecy. One is, if you fail 99 times in 100, but succeed in saving one soul from ruin, you have done a noble deed for the Master's cause. Amen. That's in uh, Volume 4, The Testimonies. The other is... Uh, Many times in spirit of prophecy, she uses the the concept of identify. Um, nowadays, people identify with all kinds of things. Uh, females identifying with males, um, with cats, with just so why not identify with Jesus? Amen. Okay.
0: Amen. I like that. Why not identify with Jesus? Amen. Go ahead, Andy.
4: Um, You mentioned Jonah and Moses, and I want to just say a couple things about both Jonah and Moses. Um, They had something in common. Both of them were called. They had dissimilarities. It's interesting. If you look at Jonah 1, I love the Bible. I'm sorry. I'm a Sabbath school teacher, and I love the Bible. I always use the word of God as my instructor. And so in Jonah chapter 1, Because here's one of the differences between Jonah and Moses and why he might have been afraid. But Jonah, there's chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. God told him, arise and go to Nineveh. And in verse 3, he says, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare. And went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. It's interesting. If you look over in Exodus 33, verse 10, Moses has been called to lead the people out. And he says to the Lord, remember the word presence, Um, Jonas said he was going to flee from the presence of the Lord, the very person who could give him strength. Moses said in verse 15 of Exodus 33, then he said to him, Moses said to him, God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from this place. So one is fleeing from the presence, one is desiring the presence of the Lord, And he talks again about the presence, and the Lord says to him, he promises, your presence will go with me. The other dissimilarity, or the similarity, is you talked about knowing God. They both knew God. In Jonah chapter 4, this is very interesting. I did a little study on this a few, um, a couple years ago. And in Jonah chapter 4, verses 1, tell me if these words don't sound familiar to you. But it displeased uh, chapter uh, chapter four verses one and two. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, "Note these words, our Lord. Was not this what I said when I was still in country in in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious." And merciful God, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness, one who rents from the... Where have we heard that before? God said that to Moses. So Jonah knew God. He knew what he was like. And in Exodus 34, the Lord descended and he said to Moses, he passed before him and he proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth... They both knew God. They knew the character of God, but one loved it, one did not. If you do not love the character of God, you'll be afraid to go. And so they both understood who God was. Moses said, Lord, blot me out if you if you cannot take these people, if you cannot save these people, blot me out of your kingdom. And it's interesting because he resonated with God. And if we resonate with God, he can send and use us. And Ellen White says something interesting in The Desire of Ages. She says this, and this is how Moses was similar to God. Jesus did not count heaven a place to be desired while we were lost. He left the heavenly courts for a life of reproach and insult and a death of shame. He who was rich in heaven's priceless treasure became poor, that through his poverty we might be rich. We are to follow in the path that he trod. And I think fear of going can be because we do not know, we do not appreciate, and we flee from the presence of God.
0: Wow, that was powerful. Thank you for that, Andy. Um, If we know the character of God and we embrace his presence, uh, his presence and his character can give us the strength The courage to go. Can we say amen? And um, you know, let me just jump in here for a moment. I mean, when we think of Moses and uh uh Jonah, you know, um, you know, there's really three responses that most people have to the call of God in their life. First response is some send somebody else, Lord. I'm not I'm not fit, I'm not the one. And that's what Moses said, right? The next response is to run away in the opposite direction. That was Jonah. And the third response is is found in the New Testament when God calls, uh, Jesus calls this young man to follow him. And he says, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. First, let me go say goodbye to my family. In other words, he's saying, not today, maybe tomorrow. Not today, maybe tomorrow. And to each response, God has a reaction, right? To the first response, send somebody else with Moses. God says, "Um, listen, use what you have. Where's your rod? Cast it down. You know, it becomes a snake pick it up by the tail. It becomes a rod. In other words, whatever's in your hand, whatever gifts God has given you, if you cast it down before him, he will use that to help you fulfill the calling he has on your life, right? You may not be able to preach or sing or do maybe some of the popular things, but whatever gift you have, if you give it to God, if you cast it down to him, he'll use it and he'll equip you to use it in service for him. And then Jonah, he says, uh, I'm going to run away in the opposite direction when God calls him. And God says, you know, his response, his reaction to that is, when you run away from God's call, you go down. Jonah went down to Joppa. He went down to the belly. uh, He went down to the ship. He went down into the belly of a whale. We went down into the sea and then down into the belly of the whale. Right? So when you run away from God's call, you go down. That's the only way your life can go. But when you say yes to God's call, even from the belly of a whale, he can lift you up. Amen? Amen. When you say yes to God's call, you go up. And then finally, not today, maybe tomorrow. Not today, you know, too many bills to pay. Not today, too busy. Uh, God says suppose tomorrow never comes. You know, you could leave this place and and next thing you know, somebody hits you. And next thing you know, you're dead. Actually, you won't know you're dead because the Bible says the dead know not anything. Hello, somebody. But here's the thing. Um, We have to recognize that God has a calling on our lives. And if we take our reluctance and our resistance and our desire to run away and we surrender it to him, he can do wonders with our life. Amen. Amen. So um, our last question as we wrap up today, how can a person know for certain God's will for their life in all areas of their life? In other words, how can you best hear God's voice and begin following God's call? Let's start with you, Pastor Adam.
1: I think this is probably the quintessential question that people ask. Um, In ministry, I was a young adult pastor for years, and every young adult came to me and said, How do I know what God's will is? I'm studying this, and what am I called to do? But I've realized that that wasn't isolated just to young adults. Every single person in this room, from the youngest to the oldest, are still asking that question, that every life transition, at every uh, job transition, there's always this question of God, what is your will, what is your plan for my life? And I I think the dichotomy of this question is honestly seen in our theme for ASI, here I am, send me. I I think, to be honest, and not to go too deep with this, uh, I'm a last-minute addition to this panel, so they might kick me off, so here you go. I think our church, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, is at a crossroads with this, because I really think there's a whole group of people that say, we're not going to move until we're certain that God has called us to move. We're going to sit here, here I am, right, I'm not doing anything. And there's another group that says, hey, just go, just do something, right, um, even if you don't get it right. And the, the, the balance of each side is, well, you can't just sit there and be reformed and revived. And the other side says, well, you can't go unless you know who you're representing, And so there's this tension that has to exist there, and I think it's seen all throughout Scripture that we have to know who we're representing, but we do have to go at the same time. And so my answer probably would be something along the lines of do what God has called you to do, be faithful with what your first step is, and then he will continue to guide your path. The only way I know how to do that is uh, uh, Psalm 119, 105. Uh, The word is a light. It's not shining the whole path, it's setting the next step that's right in front of you. So spend time in God's word, and you will know what your will for, his will for your life is that moment, that day. Continue to pray without ceasing, and he will guide where that next step may be. And we know this intuitively because as we look back on our life, we say, God, I never could have imagined how you've led along the way, but I see your fingerprints all along. But yet when we look forward, we can't do it with the same assurance. And so one step at a time, trusting that if that's where God is taking you, then he will bless that path. And if you mess up, guess what? Uh, There's another verse in Psalm, I believe it's in 85. It says that he holds up our right foot on this narrow path. There's so many Adventists that are proud that we walk the narrow path. But guess what? You're not walking it by yourself. One of your feet is being held up by the Lord himself. And so walk faithfully forward one step at a time. And I believe as a denomination, as we continue wrestling with these two things, here I am versus send me, we'll find that intersection point of where God has given us a beautiful message to share with the world.
0: I love that. Powerful. You know, um, when you think of a story of the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea, um, you know, we often envision it, um, you know, the Ten Commandments uh, shows it as like, oh, you know, Moses stretches forth his hand, and the seas just part on both sides, and they walk across. But biblical scholars actually tell us, that um, that's not how it was. that the sea was there, and as they were going, the path opened. As they walked into the water, the, the path opened. So I really love what you said about taking one step at a time and trusting God's will for our lives. So, Oleg, uh, how do we know God's will for our lives in all areas of our life, and how can we best hear God's voice and
2: begin following God's call? I was going door to door, and I met an evangelical pastor. And he was interested in what the Seventh-day Adventist church was teaching. And we started studying the Bible with him. And when we got to the, uh, to the, um, to the study on the Sabbath, after the study, I made an appeal. And he said, I need to pray to know God's will. And uh, I said, so do you, see, do you see what the Lord says in his word? Yes. Do you uh, feel that that is the truth? Yes. But I need to pray to see if He wants me to do it. So um, many times, many times, we know exactly what God's will is, but we're reluctant to do it, and that's why we act like we don't know what that is. So uh, what, I, uh, what I would say in my life, what I have seen, every time I've strayed away From the principles, biblical and the spirit of prophecy principles, I get myself in trouble. Every time I go back to see all the principles in the Bible and the spirit of prophecy, I see how the Lord prospers. So I would say, let's read the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. More of that and less of the news, less of the other channels. And I think the clarity on what God's will in our life is, it will just come natural and you will know exactly, it's, uh, it aligns, Lord, I have a desire, because God gives us desires of our hearts. And I have this desire, Lord, and I check, it doesn't conflict with any principle of the Bible or of the spirit of prophecy, move forward. And then, when I move forward, I say, Lord, if, it, if that's not the time, shut the doors, or open the doors, so the providence. So first, if the Bible or the spirit of prophecy says anything against it, then it's not God's will. Second, ask for counsel. Find two, three, or four people that you know that they have their relationship with God and they they care about you. And ask counsel. So first, the Bible, Spirit of Prophecy, counsel of people that have their relationship with God. And third, the providence. Shut or open doors, and you'll know exactly what God's will is.
0: Thank you for those three points. Very powerful. Pamela, I mean... Sorry, Mary Ann, what am I saying? <laughs> Mary Ann, go ahead.
3: Yes, uh, I certainly agree with uh, these last two uh, comments. i um, like to add in addition to begin where you are and, and do what you know, take that first step. There's a statement in Desire of Ages that says that God is bending from his throne to hear our prayers. And to every sincere prayer, he answers, here am I. So he's the first to say, here am I.
0: Love that. Wow. Amen. Andy?
4: Um, yeah. So indeed, I think if we, unless we're spending time in God's word and really wrestling with it, we will not know his will. Revelation 10, though, verse 11 I think gives us, not only individually, but as a church, a mandate. We believe a Seventh-day Adventist, of Revelation 10, talks about the great disappointment. And we're told to prophesy again. And we have been given a message. And if we wander off the reservation and prefer not to give the message, then we know that we're going to be in trouble. It's interesting, Isaiah 6, um, verse 3 it says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled, is full of his glory. We as seventh-day Adventists have the three angels' messages to proclaim. And Revelation 18:1 talks about the whole world earth illuminated with his glory. We have a mandate to proclaim the three angels' messages. Revelation 18:1 is a continuation of the second angel's messages. Where we're asked to, ask to come out of Babylon. If we're, and I, I, I hate to offend any pastor that's here, but if we are in a church where the gospel is not preached, where the Bible is not opened, where we're joining hands with the other people and joining in with their little porridge y sort of, of milk toast, quotes, gospel then we're not doing God's will. He's called us to prophesy again, specifically, I believe, as a Seventh-day Adventist movement to prophesy and to, to tell others about the everlasting gospel, which we see in all the three angels' messages culminated in that call in Revelation 18, which Isaiah himself, it was an interesting similarity between Isaiah 6 and the call. In Revelation 18 for us, and and I think that that's enough. But you know, I love the word. You know, I can go on and on and on about the word, but I will stop.
0: Amen. Can we say amen for our panelists, everyone? As this has this been a wonderful discussion? As we close today, if you can just give us one sentence, each of our panelists, that sums up this discussion on the following God's calling on our lives. What would you say, Adam? Experience
1: God and help others experience him. Amen. Whenever
2: God calls, he provides. Amen.
3: Take courage and move forward. (laughs) Amen. Search your heart.
4: Don't be afraid of repentance because Isaiah saw the Lord and he repented and he was really used by God.
0: Amen. And I'll say before you were born, God called you. And he who called you will sustain you. Amen. Amen. God bless you, everyone. As we close, let's pray. I want to ask Pastor Adam if you'd pray for us as we close.
1: Let's bow our heads as we pray together, church family. Father God, Lord, thank you so much for the power of Scripture. Thank you that we can see the example of those that came before and the challenge that it gives to each one of us. Lord, we join in the heart cry of Isaiah. Here I am. Send me. Lord, we gather together for worship, we gather together for training, we've gathered together for this weekend to allow our tools and our willingness to be sharpened and to be encouraged. But God, it doesn't mean anything if it just stays here. If we don't take this and share it with somebody else, if we don't go to Nineveh, if we don't go back to Egypt, if we don't go to the people that are in desperate need of an encounter with you, Uh, the Bible says that rocks can cry out, angels can sing, even donkeys can speak. But Lord, you have called us to share your everlasting gospel with this world, every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. That's not just us up here on this stage. That's certainly not just uh, pastors. That is every single person hand in hand being part of the body, the mission, the movement that you have called us to be. Lord, we acknowledge one more time that Jesus is the head of our church And we as a body want to faithfully move where he is leading. We thank you for those that have come before. We are grateful for those that are now. And if Jesus does not come soon, which we believe is very soon, but if he he tarries, we're excited for those that will continue carrying that mantle forward. May each person's heart cry be, here I am. Send me. Lord, give divine appointments to each person in this room, each person joining us online. And may there be testimonies from our encounter with you and our encounter with others. In Jesus' name, amen.